No chips, no chocolate until further notice. No chips, no chocolate until further notice. I'm just letting you in on a, on a conversation I had with my soul about five weeks ago because I realised it needed to happen. Now, soul, when I say soul, it's hard to define soul. I think soul is my redeemed spirit. We've been talking about this in spiritual formation. There's probably a photo up there you could... Um, the graphic... It's my, my will, it's my heart. Um, it also refers to my mind and my emotions and my body and my social context. It's my inmost being, like the psalmist calls it, oh, my soul. Um, and so in that understanding, it's all of me and my body, which is part of my soul, was expanding. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It expands, the tabernacle expands and... Um, and, uh, and I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, it's that time of my life again that um, I need to change some stuff. So there's a diet going on, there's some exercise, and part of that is no chips and no chocolate. You have soul conversations too, don't you? Anybody with me? We, we reflect on our life, and sometimes, often, it's God's conviction or his challenge in some way, and we have a chat with our soul and we make decisions and choices that change the course and direction of our life. For 3,000 years, people have been coming under the Psalms, and the Psalms have been helping them have conversations with God and with their soul. 3,000 years it took about 800 years, we think, for the Psalms to be written, but most of them were written by about a 1,000 years before Christ. And they have been helping people in every era have conversations with God and with their souls. People like King David, who probably wrote this Psalm 103. Solomon, Nehemiah, Peter, Paul, Mary, Jesus himself, going through church history, Augustine, Calvin, Luther, all these names some of us have heard of, and maybe some, has, some haven't. The Psalms have been translated into Hebrew and Greek and Latin and English and a myriad of other languages. When you and I are blessed by reading and meditating upon, singing and praying the Psalms, we are joining with a throng of humanity. For 3,000 years, these psalms have been speaking to our human condition. That's a cool thing to just stop and think about, isn't it? 3,000 years, these psalms have been speaking. And it's probably controversial, but I think if there's one ring to rule them all, if there's one psalm that just, like in a family photo, pokes its head just above the others, it could be Psalm 103. It's from that great, overarching, massive statement, Exodus 34, 6, where Moses declares the type of God Yahweh is. He is the God of chesed, the, the God of loving kindness to a thousand generations. That's where Psalm 103 comes from. So we're in the first five verses as we wrap up our psalm series over the last two weeks with eight different preachers. David writes, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. For 3,000 years, 
Psalm 103 has been suggesting to humanity God is worth it. In all the Psalms, they talk about he is supreme in his ruling of the universe. He is worthy of our praise, all our inmost bring. He's worthy for our praise because he's so great, but also he is relationally good. They're the two big themes you find in this Psalm, and it's all the way through the Psalter, through the, the book of the Psalms. God's greatness and his goodness. And since Jesus, we live post the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and we know that we can praise the Lord because he's our creator and our cross bearer. Amen. Praise the Lord, all my inmost being, because God, you're my designer and you're my deliverer. He's your creator and your crucified saviour. He's your maker and your mender. He made you and he saved you. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. I wonder if you're one of the people here tonight who has walked in from your busy world. Um, Your little, like mine, little yet busy life, the phone that impacts our life so much, Our consuming yet narrow fields of existence. We've come from out there and we've come in here to another church service. Maybe this is the first one you've been at for a while, but a lot of us, we come to church regularly. And there's this dynamic that we we interplay with about reality. Which is the most real, that world out there or this? And you come back maybe once a week, maybe you have a Bible study midweek, but you come in and we talk about God and we sing songs and we pray and we're reminded, oh yeah, that's right, God became a human being and lived this life and died on the cross apparently for my sin and he rose from the grave, resurrected, Jesus. And my sins can be forgiven. But is it real? Life out there all week feels so real, doesn't it? Does anyone feel the juxtaposition between that world and this world? The psalmist is talking to your soul and he's saying, this is real. This real, inform- this, real this world in-, in the sanctuary informs that world. Hey, soul, I don't know how you talk to your soul, but all my inmost being, he's worthy of praise all week, amen? He's worthy, this is real. There's a battle for belief going on, sometimes daily for us. Some of us I know have that. Sometimes it's not, it's, it's monthly, it's maybe yearly, but there's a point where we go, I don't know if I can make the jump between what I see and what I know to be true through belief, and that's faith. The Bible says you can't please God without faith. There is a battle for belief. And the psalmist is speaking into that battle that is so common with all of us as humans. Praise the Lord, the psalmist says. And this is what you can do if you're struggling for belief. Forget not all his benefits. Stop, oh my soul, and let's just do an inventory on the benefits of of what God has done for you and in your life and what he's doing in this world. Anyone remember as we studied Deuteronomy, this recurring motif of forget not, anyone? Remember, remember how impacting it is for us if we have good memory. You wouldn't have that recurring sin if your memory was perfect. You go, no, no, that was 
that felt bad, that wasn't the right thing to do, that response. Memory is very important. And the psalmist is saying, praise the Lord my soul, forget not all his benefits. So what are the benefits of knowing God through Christ? He forgives all your sins. A little later on, the psalmist says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. One does not treat... He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We get used to hearing that, but them's preaching words, aren't they? They're amazing words. I went to Bible college in 1993. And have you ever had an occasion in your life, you know church, if you come most weeks, it's, it's like a, eating food. You don't remember every meal you had, but it was really good for you. Like it could be nutritious, you can have an amazing time, a community around a meal, but you don't always remember all of them. And church is like that, but there are some times, it could be church, whenever it is in your life, but you go to something and you don't realise that's going to change you forever. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's revelation. And we were a couple of months in to my first year of Bible college at Moreland College. And I heard there was a guy turning up called Jerry Bridges. Now, I've mentioned this. Some of you have heard this story before, but not everybody. And I had a profound experience of revelation that has impacted me regularly over the last 30 years. And as I've preached all that time, it's impacted other people. And so... I go along to this afternoon lecture with Jerry Bridges, who wrote books like um, The Pursuit of Holiness and The, Fear, the Joy of Fearing God. He's um, an American guy. I think he's passed away, I think. Anyone know? No one knows if Jerry Bridges is still alive? Someone would ask Siri. Um, anyway, he was with Navigators uh, for many years. Lovely bloke, diminutive guy, humble guy. And I remember I'm sitting there not expecting to get blown away by this, but he, he starts talking about Christianity and he says, um, you may have experienced this. That just, you, you have a period where you get your Bible study going. You, you're in a bit of a program. Your prayer times are great. You've got your devotions all going well. And, uh, and he actually said, and you might even be doing some good works. You're helping some old people across the road or giving up your seat. And it's like, you know what? I'm doing this okay. And you come before God and just you, you're tempted to sort of go, most of the time I need Jesus, but the way I'm feeling, I think I've got this covered. Is anyone, anyone with me? No one at all. Yeah. Um, and you, you come before God and it's like, I think, I think I've got this one covered, but... He just said, you know what, you can never do that. Now that might sound obvious, but then he quoted Galatians 2.20 and he said, Paul writes, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, not just the moment when I was a teenager and I came to the front and gave my life to Jesus, the life, which means daily, the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he said, you know what, people, you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day. You need to preach the gospel to yourself every day because you've got a problem. 
just like I have a problem. We are sinful and we can't come before a holy God without Christ paying for our sin. And then he took us to Romans 7 and he said, you come to the end of Romans 7 where Paul is talking about the power of the law and it's like a big spotlight, surgeon spotlight looking at my heart going, I'm stuffed, I'm stuck, I'm a sinner. And at the end, he says that great line, I'm paraphrasing it, but who will rescue me from this body of death? I am condemned. And then Paul says, do you remember? I think I've got it on the screen. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then that leads us into this wonderful verse that's been a memory verse for me all my life since then, Romans 8.1. And the thing that stayed with me and always gets me emotional, I'm, I think I'll be right tonight. I've spent it this, this morning, the emotion. Um, but he said, when I remember daily that Christ has died for me, I want to stand up on a rooftop and yell it out at the top of my lungs, there is no condemnation for me, for I am in Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen? He has, in Christ, God has paid for our sin. And when we put our faith in Christ, Psalm 103 is true for us. It's true for you. He has removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. There is no condemnation. We want to say that to our soul. Hey, soul, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, you know you have a sin problem. And today's the day. Today's the day to get up and say, thank you, God, you did something about it. Oh, my soul, he is worthy of praise, so give him all the praise. He has forgiven all your sins. I don't know who needs to hear that, but someone does today. Christ dying for your sins is fully and absolutely enough. All condemnation has been taken away because of the power of the gospel. And then he says, he heals all your diseases. Now in a society back then, 3,000 years ago, people are dying you know, in their 40s, I guess, typically. So he... He's probably saying, if you're alive today, give all the praise to God. The fact that you're alive, he heals all your diseases. Some, and you might be here tonight saying, you know what? No, I believe that, that in, the, in the, the, the stripes on, on Christ's back, I can be healed of every disease because of Psalm 103. And more power to you. I actually believe, yeah, God does miracles. I just don't think that's saying that every time we ask, we're going to get healed. But what it is saying is, when you put your faith in Christ, he promises that through the grave, there will be a life afterwards where you'll be absolutely healed. Amen? You will be healed through that intermediate state, <clears throat> through heaven, and then into a new earth with a new body. He heals all your diseases. That is something worth praising God about. You can get used to hearing that, but that's a wonderful thing. The conversation with my soul continues, and with souls over 3,000 years... David says, remember this, he's redeemed your life from the pit. That can only mean from death itself. From death itself. You know, if you have faith in Christ, the sting of death has been taken away. There's no fear in death. Because you'll never stop living. You'll never stop living. You have your last breath here and you'll take your first breath in the presence of God on the other side. And it's all good for you. Um, Andrew's here, uh, a pastor. 
I reckon we've done more funerals or been at more funerals than um, most other people because pastors do a lot of funerals. And I have found there is a profound difference between a funeral with a, a person who is a believer and a funeral with a person who is not a believer. This stuff's real. There is not a sense of hope. There's, I guess, some hope. Maybe they were good enough, but you can feel that there's a confident, joy-filled hope in the midst of grief when someone knows that Christ has redeemed that person and they will live forever. The psalmist says, he crowns you with love and compassion. What does it mean to crown you with love and compassion? Compassion means to surround you, just like the crown. Surround you with love and compassion. How have you gone with receiving love in your life? When I reflect on it, I think this is one of the saddest, most unfair questions. I've noticed that some people, they, they get a lot more love than others. Have you noticed that? And you might be here tonight and you think, you know what, if I objectively think about it, I don't know, I feel a bit ripped off. I, I feel like I have not received the love that I long for. And I think that's part of a broken world. I don't have the answer for that, but the Bible says God does love you. And he has, 1 John he says he has demonstrated his love for us in this, that he has sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sin once and for all. You are loved. Christ has died for your sin. And as I was preparing this message, I felt God really strongly say, maybe it was only for someone in the morning service, but I feel like God wanted me to say this request to you. Would you allow him to love you? He wants you. Yeah, he wants you to allow him to love you. Because some of us hope that God loves us. But I want to, I want to tell you, the Bible says he does. And he's demonstrated that love. Will you let him love you? Will you allow him? God wants to love you. To be loved is, is so special. And again, if you haven't felt that, um, I'm really sorry. And I, and, I, and I hope and pray as I've led up to this message that God will pour out his love abroad, shed abroad in your heart tonight and tomorrow. Because we need to know that our God is a God of compassionate love. He has tender-hearted mercy for all those who would fear him. That's what the text says. Have you ever done something really bad to somebody and had to ask them for forgiveness? Isn't it, isn't it just a highlight of life, as gut-wrenching as it is, when that person forgives you? And you know you don't deserve it, but it's like the stuff of jargon of Christianity. You know, we go to God and he forgives us. But have you experienced it when you go to someone and, you, and with sort of cap in hand, you go, I am so sorry. Would you forgive me? 
and they forgive you. That's what God is like. He's a God who forgives. He is tender-hearted and he is merciful. And we need that. The psalmist says, God is the one who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's got to mean you know, an updraft like the eagles. It's rather than only going that way, knowing God and allowing him to fill our desires with good things leads us upwards. I started talking about um, soul talk of my own regarding weight loss. And um, I put on weight, I think, and, you know, I get it. I, I'm, I'm not... You might look at me and go, oh, what are you talking about? I've got a bigger issue than you. And maybe that, yeah, they're complex things, aren't they? But um, I, I give in to desire. I eat the wrong stuff and too much of it. That's how I put on weight myself. It's just a, a clear idea. And as I grapple with it, as I do, I weigh myself regularly and I'm thinking, this is just... A struggle. But I'm constantly reminded my spiritual life is like that too. I have a bent towards certain responses and I'm trying to grow as a Christian, as a man of God. And it's, it's a struggle as well. But it's all about having the right desire. Certainly in weight loss, you've got to change your desires. And isn't it great that God, in, in, in other parts of the Word of God, he says... He grants us, he puts the desire, he grants the desires of our heart. And I think there's a sense of him putting the desires in there, isn't there? When you say, Lord, help me, change my heart and my mind. And he puts these desires in there. And then he wants to fill them with good things. So let me ask you are you proud of what you desire? Are you proud of what you treasure? Is it okay to bring it before God and say, that, that's what I desire? Because he is a God who is tender-hearted and he, he wants to grant you what you desire as long as it's honouring him. And so sometimes we have to stop and do that conversation with our soul and go, wait on, is, is that desire that I hope he would fill, is that coming from a good place? Am I being honest about the type of person I need to be? Well, the Psalms probe, don't they? And we've had eight preachers over the last two weeks that did a, a stellar job. Richard began in Psalm 1. You guys didn't see it. That was in the morning. But he talked about two roads, one wide road that leads to destruction and one narrow road. Jesus informed us of that illustration, that way of, of understanding Psalm 1. There's a better road and it's obedience and following the grace of God. And then Daniel talked about Psalm 19 and preached from Psalm 19. He said, look up, Psalm 19 is the glory of God is everywhere. And then he said, look in and you'll see that there's a brokenness there and a need for God inside as well. And then Stuart taught us about confession, confession of sin, Psalm 51. That was at night. And then Steph preached on Psalm 131, talked about being content in the father's arms like a, a weaned child. And she talked about, talked about not being haughty and, and thinking about things that are too lofty for us, but being humble. And then last week, Rachel preached on Psalm 42 and, and lived out the lament as emotion flowed through her. And she said, you know what, bring, bring your lament, 
bring you pain and bring hope with it before God. Hamish told us to welcome the King of glory into our lives. Lift up your heads, you ancient doors and your gates. Open up and let the king in. He said, come on, let, let the king come and have his way in your life. Last week, Karen invited us to see the work of the shepherd, Psalm 23. Hamish was Psalm 24. And uh, the shepherd who leads us beside still waters and prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And then Melanie encouraged us from Psalm 139 about our identity, that we've been formed and fashioned by God's hands inside our mother's womb and all the days ordained for us are written in that book of life before one of them came to be. And she said, you trust him to give you your sense of identity. And then Psalm 103 to 9. Our God is filled with loving kindness towards us, toward anyone who would fear him enough to bow and praise him. And his love extends to the thousandth generation. Is he worthy of our praise? He is. He is. Praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. And his benefits are are wrapped up in his son. I don't know if you've ever heard this illustration. I think I've used it once before. It's sort of like an illustration from one of those books, sermon illustration book. But it's a cracker of an illustration. So there's an old man, and he's very wealthy. He's got a great collection of fine art, jewellery, cars, um, houses, and he dies. And so there's an auction, a massive auction of all his material wealth, his estate. And it comes to that auction, and there's all these people, wealthy people, are there ready to, to bid. And the first item up for auction is this small, relatively unknown painting of the older man's son who has previously died. And so there's this oil painting of the son and the auctioneer says, this is the man's son who would like to start the auction with a bid. And there's an older woman at the back of the crowd who knew the son and she makes a bid and she's the only person who bids on the painting of the son. And so the auctioneer says, going twice, thrice, the son goes to you. And then he says, okay, that's, um, that wraps up the auction. And everyone's going, what do you mean, what do you mean? And he says, oh, it was the old man's wishes that whoever took the son got everything. And that's the truth, amen? That's worth storing away. If you receive the son, you receive life. And righteousness, right standing before God forever and ever and ever. Don't get used to that. Amen. The band's going to come up and we're going to finish our time in the Psalms by a time of worship. Um, How is your memory? Are you remembering... All God's benefits at the moment. Do you need to allow God to love you? Do you need to fear him so that he can from a place that's up close? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for what you have done for us in Jesus. It's once and for all done forever. You have declared your 
steadfast love for the world, for everyone in this room, you paid for our sin in Christ. Lord, I want to pray for those who know that, but need to know your love. I pray that you would help them allow you to love them in an overwhelming and abundant way. That truly your love would be shed abroad in our hearts by faith. Lord, if there's anyone here who needs to give their life to you for the first time, I pray you'd lead them to that wonderful place of abandonment, of trust, of repentance. Lord, I thank you that you've met us at different times. And for me, one of the times was when Jerry Bridges came and shared. and I've never forgotten that. Therefore, now there's no condemnation for me. No matter how far I fall, no matter how many times I have chosen the wrong path, in Christ I am clothed in his righteousness. And for my friends here, the truth is exactly the same. By grace through faith, we belong and we are called a child of the living God and we will live forever. And you have invited us to come and bring all that is within us, all of our soul, and praise your holy name. Lord, would you receive all the glory as we sing and offer you our praise and thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen.